everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Tuesday tip here on It's a PR Thing. I'm so glad you're with us. I want to share a tactic with you today that is extremely essential in my toolbox that I use and it will help you be able to herd the cats on the conversation that your organization needs to have about an issue, an initiative, uh, a campaign, etc. And that means across all your divisions as well as to any outside external partners that you may need to partner with on that. Now, I learned this um, about 20 years ago from a wonderful gentleman named Colonel Bill Smullen. Now, Colonel Smullen was one of my instructors at Syracuse University. I went there and got my master's in communication management. Wonderful program. Colonel Smullen was Colin Powell's PR advisor. I'm sorry, no, no, no. He was his chief of staff for several, several years. And of course, obviously, you know, he advised him on you know public relations issues as well and uh colonel smullen taught me this tactic and like i said i have not only been using it for years but i have been passing on that knowledge to employees um students um gosh uh oh yeah um clients of course over the years and i run into people all the time that maybe i haven't seen for a while and they will tell me of course i'm paraphrasing here oh my gosh, I still use uh, that tactic to this day. It's one of my essential tactics and I could not agree more. And I really can't wait to share that with you today. So grab a pen, grab a pad of paper, and let's go herd some cats. Welcome everyone to It's a PR Thing. This is the show where we help you build relationships that build business. We'll give you a better understanding of what PR is today and how you can use it to drive your business in ways you never knew you could. If you're ready to build bigger and better relationship capital, then this is the show for you. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining us today for the Tuesday tip on It's a PR Thing. I'm your host, Stephanie McFarland, and I'm really eager to walk you through this tactic today. Again, it is one of my favorites, and of course, I have it associated with one of my favorite people, and I really want to share it with you so that if it's something you're not doing, that you can add it to your toolkit to help you build relationships. Now, everything that I share with you on the show is intended to help you build relationships, whether it's something that helps you do that in a major way in moving that needle or whether it's something that helps you do it incrementally. Okay, so what is this fabulous tactic that I'm gonna be talking about today? It's called the standby document. Now hold on, you may say to yourself, I know what a standby document is. We use a standby document and you might, and you might be using it very similar to how we put it together and use it, or you might be in one of these categories. I have seen standby documents in my day, and I've had a few days doing this in my lifetime, that resemble nothing more than really just a log of media questions that have come in and answers that the company has provided. So, and sometimes I've seen these where they just run pages and pages, just given how long a particular initiative or issue has been in play. I have also seen standby documents that are just a running list of talking points. And again, I've seen some of these that are, they are comprised, they comprise several pages. That's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're gonna talk about a very hardworking tool that's gonna help you do a lot. Now, let's just start though first with exactly what is the value of a standby document? So a standby document provides you with consistency, unity, and helps you to avoid the scramble. So consistency, right? 
essentially it will be the hymn book by which everybody will be drawing their conversation. So this actually will be your conversation guide. This helps you ensure that what you're saying is accurate, everybody is giving the same accurate information, and everybody understands the company sentiment on it, and it helps you be able to educate and advocate both, whether that's an initiative or whether that is an issue. And the other thing it does is it gives you unity. So it allows you to lasso those cats, bring them all together, get everybody moving in the same direction, and later we'll actually talk about how do you make that happen but it gives you that sense of unity so that you don't have the experience that I'm sure many of us have had where we are maybe doing business with a company and we talk to somebody maybe in sales and they tell us one thing and then we take the next step forward with the company to kind of move to engage or become a customer and then we talk to someone on the phone line and we get maybe a slightly different answer or a completely different answer, and then we get transferred to somebody else and the conversation we have with them is, it's also different. So we don't have consistency there. It's very clear the organization is not unified in their conversation. Now, what does consistency and unity have to do with relationship building? Well, right? Consistency is one of the basic building blocks of building trust, and trust is a keystone building block for building relationships. Now. The other thing we have to contend with is the scramble. We've all been there. Some of you are probably going to have flashbacks right now as we talk about it. I'm, I'm probably going to have a flashback. But the scramble is where we get a call from someone, say it's a high-level official or maybe it's an investigative reporter. We get somebody, you know what I mean, where the pressure's on. And where's our information? Well, part of it's still in our subject matter expert's head, part of it's still out in email, part of it's in a research report, and part of it's out on an industry website that we still need to pull from. It's a hot, scattered mess, and now you have some very anxious, eager people to know about it who have short deadlines and need it for whatever high-level reason, and they're essentially waiting for us to get it together. Now, speaking of getting it together, how do we put this thing together? What goes into it? Now, for years, as I said, I followed Colonel Smolin's process to the T, and his is an excellent process. But over the years, I've gotten comfortable with it and confident with it, so now I've kind of styled it out the Steph way. Our company includes five key components in every standby document. The first one is what I call just a summary background. The next section is what we call key conversation points. Then we have an official statement. We have a section on facts and figures. And then we have a section on potential media slash community questions. So let's walk down through each one of those. Okay, the background section. Five to six sentences max. No more than that. Hit the high points of who, what, when, why. You're going to use this, one, this will be kind of your net graph, if you will. Two, this can also be used as an elevator speech. And three, it can also be used to help fact check. So let's say you have a reporter that calls in and says, I'm hearing XYZ about your or about this particular initiative and or this issue. And I just want to know how you respond to that. If they have misinformation, because it wouldn't be the first time, would it? You can easily use this to help reset. I've done this time and time again. Use this summary background section to do that. It's very helpful, and frankly, reporters really appreciate it, and so do other people who call in, maybe constituents or customers who have a misunderstanding. So this is a really great tool for to cover all of that, You know, to be your nut graph, to be your elevator speech, and then to be able to use that as a fact check. The next section is going to be your key conversation points. Now, 
I don't use the word messaging. I should say I steer away from the word messaging. I do use it sometimes, but I do really make an authentic effort to steer away from it because again, it is associated with propaganda. When people hear messaging, they kind of get that bell that rings that says stay on message and they think it's manipulation. It's not authentic. So I want you to think as conversation points because you want to have a conversation with people. That's what's authentic. They don't want to hear you giving something that's scripted, right? They want to actually hear you making your point. And that's what we do in conversation. We make our point. Now we do it also though in an organized way. And if we're going to have a bunch of people doing it, then we need to make sure that everybody is essentially talking about it, making the points consistently. So three to five, you want to have three to five. Why? Well, first of all, let's talk about the threes because the human mind tends to retain things in threes, right? You've heard of three little pigs. You've heard of Goldilocks and the three bears. You've heard of ABCs. You get it. Three points. Now, I expand that out to five because there have also been studies that show that five is the maximum that most people can retain in terms of salient points in a conversation or an interaction. But I strongly recommend prioritize them. Put your three at the top. If you know you're going to be somewhere where you may not be able to get all five in, then you can at least get your three in, okay? So three to five, again, that is your conversation points. Now, again, you want to have these and you do want to prioritize them because it is part of organizing communication. For communication to be clear and understood, you do have to have a framework for it. And again, your conversation points structured in three to five helps you be able to do that. Onward to the next section, which is official statement. So you can take your key conversation points and you can craft an official statement. Now this official statement obviously may change over time, especially if you're dealing with an issue that may be evolving depending upon how events unfold or even in a crisis, you can use this as well. We actually use standby documents as part of our crisis communication management process. But for here, an official statement, this is something great for you to be able to have. Again, if you get a call from a reporter that says, hey, can you tell me how you guys respond to that? Or do you guys have an official statement? You are ready. You can peel that off. You're not doing the scramble. You've got what you need. You can have that for anybody and everybody that's needing it for you know that specific snapshot in time. And we'll talk about that later too in terms of how you should think about the standby document in terms of its shelf life. So the official statement, you know, that can also be what I call your kind of your keynote quote whenever you do your launch news release. It can also be something you can have to put out on your website, something you can also use on your social media, so you get the point. But that section includes the official statement. The next one is my favorite. It's facts and figures. I like data, guys. I'm a geek. I love it. Have you not noticed that I'm a geek? <laughs> Surely by now, that has definitely come across. But the facts and figures section is my favorite. And by the way, reporters really like this too. And it's so nice because you have everything at your fingertips, right? So I'm going to know if somebody asked me, so how much money was allocated to this? Or how much money did the legislature, for example, you know what I mean? Did they allocate to this? How many people are going to be served? What's the startup date for this? What's the wrap-up date for this? You know, what, when was it established? So how many years has it been in place? Or will it be in place? You get my point. You can put all that information in there. For example, sometimes we'll even have something for us that might be related to a legislative bill. And we can put in there, you know, what was the bill number? We can put in who sponsored it. We can put in the date, you know, that it was passed, etc. But that whole facts and figures section it's just a plethora of things for you to put in there. I mean, don't put everything but the kitchen sink in, but definitely put the key things in there you think that you're going to need that will help you be able to talk about it and be able to answer questions on the spot. Now, 
the next section, this is the potential questions media slash community members. And I want you to know that whenever I do one of these, I always make sure I do follow Colonel Smolin's five and five. The five questions that we know we're going to get asked and the five questions that are more difficult to answer because most times they're complex. And sometimes that gives people a lot of heartburn. It's not because they don't want to answer it. It's because it's not a simple answer. But this is a great section where you can work through that. Use it, consider it as an exercise, first and foremost, where you're helping everybody work through those questions and how you're going to answer them and how you're going to answer them using the points from your conversation points section. Now, I have a whole other piece of this that actually ties into some media training we do because we use a standby document for that process as well. But for today's Tuesday tip, I'm going to leave, leave it there with you. Uh, not get down into a lot more detail that I really want to get down into. (laughs) So again, this section, it's what are going to be the potential questions you know you're going to get and what are those five heartburn questions that you need to make sure, you know, mean that you're ready to answer. I've had people many times over, especially leaders, CEOs, and so forth, who will come to me later after we finish doing this particular section. And by the way, I'm saying media questions, but these are also questions that community members may have your elected leaders may have, different stakeholder groups are gonna be really impacted that they may have. This is the section where you put those in. And I'll talk a little bit more about how to expand that in a minute. But getting back to my point about the fact that you, when you're using this section, I've had people in the past who will tell me that they were literally losing sleep on how to answer some of those tougher questions. Not because again, they didn't have the answers, It's because the answers are not that simple. They're not something you can deliver in a soundbite. And once we've gone through it and they see that you can still give your bottom line soundbite, you can still give that in a high level, very quick, you know, maybe two to three sentence explanation with it that at least helps someone understand kind of the the quick note about it. And then you can dive down and have a more in-depth conversation on it. But I've had people to say they were losing sleep and after they went through the process of doing the five and five, they said, oh, it was just took a complete load off their mind and they felt much more confident in being able uh, to be prepared and be ready to answer those questions. So that is what goes into a standby document. Now, let's talk about a few things you just wanna make sure you keep in mind. First of all, think about the standby document as being organic, okay? It's, I like to think of it as in its entirety, it is a draft. Different pieces of it though, may be something I can peel off for that day in that snapshot of time and be able to use. So think of it as being organic because as initiatives progress, as issues progress, you're going to need to make changes and update. So make sure you're definitely using version control on this and everybody is on the same page with the the versions. Now, the other thing is think of it as an accordion. So today I'm giving you the compressed version but you can expand this out as far as you want. Just moments ago, I talked about on the potential questions section. So usually I'll have a section for media and then I may have a section for other stakeholders, just have their own section and just those questions that are maybe outside the core of the five and five, other questions they may have. And we develop responses that answer their questions and they do it not only accurately and honestly, but they also do it in a way um, that it is fits into the context of the person who's asking the question or the stakeholders and kind of what is, what is the world they live in and how does that response you know, really relate to them? How does it hit the you know, what's in it for me point? Now, the other thing I want you to remember is, or rather let's talk about is how do you 
herd the cats. How do you bring everybody together? How do you put this thing together? You do it collaboratively. I strongly recommend that you steer away from letting this be something that is an imposition coming down from on high from maybe say corporate affairs. And don't get me wrong, I've worked in corporate affairs. I know you got you have to centralize things. I'm a big advocate for centralizing. But this is one way that you help do that. And so what I recommend to folks is that you put a draft together. First of all, reach out to whoever actually owns the issue in the organization. So let's say maybe it's a product team, right? Maybe it's a pharmaceutical company and this is a product team. You know what? Reach out to the, essentially to the marketing director and just say, hey, we'd like to put together a standby document on this so we can make sure everybody is speaking to it, you know, with the same conversation. Most people I find are very grateful for that. And they're even more grateful when you say, you know what, I'll go ahead and draft it based on what I know. And then I want to get that in front of you and your team for you guys to look at it and help us make edits to it so that it's accurate. And then from there, then you figure out who all else needs to be involved so that, again, other people that are going to be having conversations about this, they're going to be um, public facing on it. You got them pulled in. They're part of the process. And by the way, doing that actually gets buy-in. And I, again, as I find most people really appreciate it. Now, don't be surprised if this is your first time doing it, if people are kind of like, okay, you run along and do that, okay? I can tell you right now, once people have started using this and they see how effective it is, they're going to turn to you in the future and say, hey, are you going to get me one of those standby document things? Are we going to work on one of those? You will get that over time. I promise you, you will. If you're doing it right, you certainly will. Guys, that is our Tuesday tip for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I love talking to you about PR things. Now, if you want more information about how to put together a standby document, you can go out to our website. We have something called Advising and Coaching Sessions. If you just want to get a half-hour session just to walk through how to do this because you don't want to wait, maybe you've got a hot issue and this is something you're thinking, oh my gosh, I want to start doing this tomorrow, not doing it now could really help me. Go online. You can see which sessions we have open. You can book it right there. It'll send you a Zoom invite and we can jump on a Zoom call and walk you through it. Also too, in May, we will be launching PRU and we will have one of our first mini courses will be on how to put together the standby document. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. Please go out and make it a great day.